That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bring us in, babe. Welcome to Coco Caliente. So welcome to Coco Caliente, another lovely edition of Coconuts and I bringing you our life. (laughs) In the forefront. And when it's not just our life, we have guests too. We have a guest today, actually. Yeah, we do. One that'll pick your brain as much as I pick my brain all the time and I pick Nicole's brain all the time, Katie Morton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting person. But before we get to that, Nicole, I want you to tell me something about yourself that I don't know. I know wow. I know we've been together for a, a while. Well, now. how do I know? Maybe I can ask you if you know something and then you say no and then I can say it. Or just tell me something interesting about your childhood that I, I, I didn't know before. And this is, this is a cool... Because Nicole didn't know that I was going to ask for this right now. <sighs> and this is a cool discovery moment for us. And she's not happy. She's <laughs> looking at me in uh, anger. <laughs> Because I put her on the spot because I I enjoy doing this because it makes it real and real. All right, go ahead. Um, As a child, I waited. Do you know what a beanie baby is? Beanie baby, beanie baby. Yes. Like the little little stuffed. uh, Yes. Okay. Let's say like T-Y. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, Me and my mom would collect them and we would travel and wait out in the storefront waiting for the doors to open around 4, 5 a.m., no. waiting for the new Beanie Baby edition. Really? <laughs> yeah, did you know 4 that? 4 a.m.? Well, whatever. Yeah, the lines were long, Ian. Gee, I, you know, I have them all. They're in the basement. Um, are the, they collectibles now? I don't know. I think some of them are worth a lot of money and some are not. That's crazy because I remember when Beanie Baby... So that has the T-Y yeah. on the ear thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I was a kid... And we had a few of them, and I remember it was a huge fad, but never to the extent of waiting out for the yeah. next edition to come out. I remember like the Chihuahua, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the little and he. They're very something. cute. Some were actually kind of ugly, but we still got them. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't by what they looked like. It was like, oh, this is a new one. And then there was like tag savers because if the tags get bent or ruined, they're not worth anything. That's I what do we thought back in the, the day. Like the plastic yeah. cap, the cap that goes over the. Yep. So we would buy those. I wasn't allowed to like play with them much. Um, sometimes they'd be in globes. <laughs> oh my god! That gosh. would like break open in the middle and then out would come your beanie baby. I actually think we sold some at a craft show before because so people, they would sell out like say 20 minutes after the store opened. And if, unless you were in that line, you're not going to get one. They were like Hallmark stores. You would not get one. So some people would maybe buy 10 and then sell them. Did you do that? 
I remember we're sitting at a craft show and I don't know who I was with. If It might have been my friend's mom was really into it as well. And what they did was, I don't know if my mom was in this too, probably. I think I was actually just sitting with her friend, but they'd put them in the pretty globes and make them really pretty and put ribbons. And uh, so they'd be like a dressed up present, like ready to give someone. Okay. So it's not like you'd profit much off of them, but yeah. it was like, it's a ready to give present. Um, that's interesting. And so they would sell those at the craft bazaars. That, yeah, that's, that's great. Cause I, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, another fad that I remember, do you remember when Furbies came out? Yeah, but I never got one. You I never got one? I don't even... Re- no, I do not remember the fad either. Furby looked like a little mm-hmm. gremlin bird. Right. I don't know. And then it was like mechanical, like the eyes open and shut. And- I know that because they were a fad again maybe five years ago in Isabel and Chris and Carson. They Furbies? Got them- yes. Really? They became it again when I was in college. Oh my gosh. My grandma got them for my cousins and I was like, what? She's like, yeah, they're back. <laughs> so anyways, what were they like when you were a kid? It was... I. We actually lived in Central America in Panama, okay. I believe, when they came out and my parents got us one mm-hmm. or two. We we each got one and we were so excited. But then I remember mine wouldn't stop making noises mm-hmm. and I put it downstairs because it was freaking me out. And then yeah. even from downstairs, you can hear it like for That reminds me of the the story Phil told us in the cab, remember? What was the story that he told? Remember about the doll making all those noises? Oh, yeah. That he, was a funny story. And he was telling his daughter that it's not true or whatever, and then it, it actually kept making noises. Yeah, and he was like, this thing's haunted. <laughs> 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 anyway, so you kept hearing it from the basement, and it was freaking you out? Yeah, it freaked me out, and then after that, I didn't want a Furby anymore. But there was... <laughs> I remember, like, so many toys were... I loved Polly Pockets. Polly Pockets. Polly Pockets. I love anything tiny and they were my favorite thing. Like I was obsessed with them. And now I don't know if, I think they came back, but they are kind of a choking hazard. I don't know. Okay. So, cause I'm not obviously a kid anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't keep up with the new toys, yeah. but toys, I feel like then were a much bigger deal than they are now because we don't have the advent of YouTube yeah. and all the social media to keep mm-hmm. us entertained. So back then it was our toys. Like the good I, old days. I remember when Tamagotchis you remember the Tamagotchi? I don't know what that is. You don't know what that is? No. It's like a little, it looked like a little egg that was on your keychain. And then you had to keep, you had to feed your Tamagotchi. Mm-hmm. You had to play with it and do stuff. And your Tamagotchi can die. No, but what were those little things with the buttons? The buttons. Okay. So it was like a little circle digit thing. And you had to feed, when you said feed them, uh-huh. you had to like feed these things. Yeah. I think is that's that, the Tamagotchi. Okay. It's, What's that's what another I mean. name for it? I, I don't know. I did not hear. But it was like a word. pet. It was like a, yes. it was like a pet, and then it had like three buttons on yes, this. I don't yes, know how yes, many yes, buttons yes. it had, but you had to feed yes, it and you had to do yes. stuff with it, and you know whatever. Okay, yes, those are called something else to me because a tamagotchi <laughs> is something I never heard, but I definitely had one of those for sure. <laughs> and I don't know if it was like a dinosaur or something, but I remember having. They can be one. all sorts of things. I think. Yeah. You know what I really liked too was the things that you would put in the bathtub. They'd be like a tiny foot oh, or a tiny yeah. or a like, dinosaur yeah, or. It would just like expand and get big. I was obsessed. What we would do is we'd put them in a big, uh, in a two liter bottle mm. with water and just drop them oh in and they grow to the size of a two liter. You can't got to like cut it out. Well, no, you would just leave it in there. That was the fun of it. <laughs> yeah. The, little things like that. I remember one of the funnest things I had. Do you remember those little birds that the beak 
would balance itself. So you'd put the the little bird, right? And it had mm-hmm. a long beak and you'd put the beak like on your finger on yeah. the corner of a table. And then the bird itself like would balance itself out like the weight distribution. I don't remember those either. We had different toys. I mean, I had a lot of Barbies. Yeah. Barbies were my thing too. I loved like the outfits and stuff. I'd say Polly Pockets were my number one, but what else? I 100% had a Buzz Lightyear and a Woody. Did you? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorite toys. I had the tall dolls that were like as tall as me <laughs> that you could like, I would like dance with her. She had these big outfits. She could comb her hair. She was like, as, she was like a lifestyle doll. Like, so how how did you... She was probably like four foot. Wow. So you just brought her around everywhere you went? No. She would stay in my room. I remember exactly what she looked like too. Blonde, like a blue dress. Kind of like Cinderella, I would yeah. say. Um, but that was a big deal too because you could put makeup on her. I don't know if you're supposed to, but we did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And Jesse and I would do like... We would make our own arcade in the basement where we would come with like the five dollars. He he always had so much money. He was like saving his money from all his birthdays. Da, da, da. He never spent any money. He never money. spent any money. And I would feel so bad. Not at the time, but yeah. he'd come with like fifty bucks. I'd come with five bucks. And then we would set up these arcade games and I'd end up taking his money and then I'd be like, Okay, you can have it back. Like I felt bad. I think I gave it back. I hope I did, the poor kid. But he'd come to try to win five dollars and I'm coming trying to win fifty. But So and you know that's another thing, like having a sibling, like you you and Jesse are two years apart. He's two years younger than you. And yeah. me and my sister we're two years apart. She's two years older than me. Mm-hmm. So it's same thing. Same situation. And it was that especially when you're younger. When you get older it's different. Like mm-hmm. when you're when you're in like high school and stuff, you have your own friends, you don't really want to hang out with each other because you're doing yeah. your own things but when you're younger that's who you hang out with all the time and that's who yeah. you're playing with all the time and i mm-hmm. remember just as a kid all those things and like even just like being in the car and like i me wanting to get fast food or something and yeah. then being like dad uh, ashley's hungry <laughs> but really you were hungry um, or just i don't know little things like that and i miss like thinking about that now how simple the times were like Mm -hmm. i miss hanging out with my sister that much you know but when you get older and then you like kind of hate each other for a little bit because everybody's like you're so cool in high school and like doing your own things right Mm -hmm. i always protected my brother i'd say we got along We get we fought more when we were like maybe four and six, do you mm-hmm. know, like because we could we're the same size and like wrestling and fighting over toys or something. Yeah. But I protected him even when he, it was like the cool stage. Yeah. I freaking had his back. Like we, I never had that stage. My brother was short for his grade, and then he grew. Now he's taller than all of them, but. He got picked on and I literally, Mm. literally beat up his friend. Like (laughs) I sat on top of his friend and had to like, cause he was beating up my brother. Yeah. So I had to like beat him up, but I didn't like punch him, but you know, like get on top of him and just like manhandle him. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I remember having to do that for him. But even in high school, I remember protecting my brother. Yeah. It it was weird. It was like, I mean, you have one sibling and you and your sister are very protective of each other yeah, as well. Yeah, we are for sure. You just get this like, you can pick on me, but don't you even think <laughs> about picking on my brother. Like you say one thing and I'm coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> and for like me and my sister, like 
like when I said in high school, we just had our own sets of friends and stuff yeah. and, you know, whatever. And then when she graduated, so she graduated 18, I was still 16, she left because she went to the military. Yeah. So then I was basically the only child in the house for mm-hmm. two years, which was bittersweet. Like it was nice because basically I lived upstairs by myself, right? Yeah, my brother went through that too, I guess, with me in college kind of, right? But your yeah. sister couldn't come home at all. No, she couldn't so, come home at all. Yeah. And, and for, I don't know, basic training, she couldn't talk to us at all. So and then she was m- deployed and... Did you get spoiled when she was gone? Or? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I, yeah. I, got, I got spoiled a lot and it was nice. But like I said, it was sometimes like, man. Lonely. Yeah, exactly. And then now that we, my sister and I, we live so far apart, like it's almost like we're closer than ever because we never see each other, right? So we'll talk on the phone a lot. Yeah, you do. And then when we do mm-hmm. hang out, it's just like, all straight up positive. Nothing gets under our skin. Yeah, because you such guys a good aren't time. around. You guys, what we discussed is like, if your family is around each other all the time, like all your aunts and uncles and mm-hmm. cousins, then you have more to bicker about because it's yeah. the small things. But if you only meet up like once or twice a year, it's like... Okay, you know, all fun. Exactly, it's all yeah. fun and positive. You don't, yeah. you don't have anything really to bicker about. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we're yeah. not in each other's lives intertwined as much to say like, mm-hmm. oh, he did this or he didn't show up to that or he yeah. said he was going to give me this and he didn't or, right. you know, whatever it may be. Or I mm-hmm. heard he said this about me. It's like, well, we're not around each other. So that doesn't happen, yeah. you know? And so it, it works out really well for us. But I do envy the fact that you do have your mom and dad mm-hmm. right here and your brother and aunts and uncles and grandparents, but... I don't have that. At least they kind of do a good job being your second family. Oh, your parents? Yeah, Dave they and Jenny. They treat you like their son for yeah, sure. Yeah, they honestly think I'm their son. They really do. So yeah. that that's really refreshing. And Jesse's like the little brother. We fight sometimes, <laughs> but we're good. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. You guys have been getting a lot better. Yeah, we have. We he have. fights with every, like Not everyone, but like I feel like everyone I've dated, he just puts up a front. Like, yeah, now he's good. Now, now he's, he's really good. He's really good with you. Yeah. Like, well, we're engaged and we have our own home. He goes out of his way i feel like to be really nice to you yeah he does he does um (laughs) something victor and i have been using and loving is native deodorant specifically we use yeah it's formulated without aluminum parabens filled with ingredients found in nature such as coconut oil she butter that's something yeah. how do you say that shea butter <laughs> yeah but yeah it's being natural and like knowing the ingredients there that are in things it's something that nicole and i are trying to do more and more right it's, get away from all the processed chemicals and all that stuff it's never been tested on animals which is a big thing cruelty free yep and free shipping and returns so there's something for everyone it comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women plus they release new limited additional seasonal scents throughout the year so Victor uses the coconut and vanilla, which is the most popular scent. And I use the cucumber and mint. Mm-hmm. And I love them. They're fresh. <laughs> and if our listeners want to try for 20% off your first purchase, go to nativedeodorant.com and use promo code COCO, C-O-C-O, during checkout. For 20% off your first purchase, please visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code COCO during checkout. But anyway, with that, we really hope uh, you guys enjoy this guest. It's very interesting and fun conversation, really good insight. These are the type of conversations that I like Mm because I like learning about us and the mind. And just in general, I like learning stuff. I'm a documentary guy. So enjoy. All right. So yeah, like I said, uh, Katie Morton on the show today. Thank you so much uh, for being here. She has a master's in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University. And can you go ahead and just list all your accolades for us? It makes it... (laughs) There's so many. (laughs) Uh, 
I mean, I'm just, I'm a licensed therapist um, and I, I specialize in the treatment of eating disorders and self-injury. And that's why I'm a certified dialectical behavior therapy um, therapist. And yeah, I have a YouTube channel where I educate about all things mental health related. Awesome. That, and, and, and that's cool to hear just because that's something that, you know, now is becoming more talked about, which is mm-hmm. great, you know, because I feel like a lot of people hide behind that barrier of like, oh, I shouldn't talk about it. I'm not comfortable. Uh, so mm-hmm. that, that, that's awesome that you're doing that. And to start off, I just kind of want to know a little bit of your background and upbringing that kind of brought you to this field. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, even like in middle school and high school, um, I really just enjoyed being the secret keeper, which I know sounds (laughs) weird, but you know what I mean? Like I took pride in a, obviously knowing all the dirty deets because who doesn't want to know that? Um, but then I was like, I felt really proud that I was like a vault. Like Mm -hmm. if someone told me something, it wouldn't leave me. I wouldn't tell anybody else. Um, and I just enjoyed people. I've always enjoyed people. Um, not that I'm like a complete extrovert, but I just find people as a whole, even myself, to be just very interesting in why we do the things that we do. So I've always kind of been drawn to psychology, I guess. I, when I was a kid, though, I just didn't really have a word for it, you know, because I didn't really know what that was yet. Okay. Um, and I took my first intro to psych class in high school, my senior year, um, and was hooked ever since. And then, you know, went to to get my degree, my undergraduate degree in psychology. And for a while, I actually was minoring in music. Um, oh, that's I interesting. In, I know. Yeah. I sang in choir. It, it helped pay for college. So, you know, that was the most important thing. Um, and then, yeah, that's decided that I wanted to go back and get my graduate um, degree after I worked in the field for a little bit as a counselor. Um, and yeah. And then my husband at the time, he was my boyfriend is in film production. And oh. when I had gotten out of graduate school, I was working in this eating disorder treatment center. He had gone to a conference where they're talking about the power of YouTube and social media. And it was, this is like 2010. Um, and so things were still a little relatively new, but people yeah. were doing it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and he was like, you should get online and share what, you know, people don't talk about that stuff. And I was like, no, that's weird. Um, <laughs> I was like, isn't that just cat videos? I'm confused. (laughs) Um, And so after a little, you know, prodding and him giving me links to people like Jenna Marbles and Anna Akana and people who were on YouTube at that time, he sent me some of their videos. He's like, no, people do this. Like, this is a thing. Um, Then I, we started the channel in late 2011. Oh, wow. So it's been going on for eight years now. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies. It's really crazy. That's Yeah, that is pretty crazy. And so how do you divvy up your work? Because uh, I know YouTube can be yeah, you know, time all time consuming, but you also have a clinic uh, or your own practice in Santa Monica. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Um, it's shifted over the years. So when I first started, I think a lot of people now, especially kids, will be like, I want to be a YouTuber and make millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't really work like that, especially for a channel like mine, because it's not, there's nothing pop culture necessarily. It's not really viral videos. It's more mm-hmm. just educational content. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first probably four, almost four years of doing stuff on YouTube, I still had my full-time job. So I worked in um, a hospital and then I had my private practice three days a week. And then I did YouTube kind of as just like a side gig, like I do in the evenings or weekends. Okay. Um, And then it got to be a little bit unmanageable where it was just taking up more and more time. And about four years ago, I was able to quit my full-time job and 
you do only my private practice. And oh. then as patients of mine have kind of graduated out of my practice, I've gone down to two half days. Oh. Um, <laughs> just because it's, you know, it's, it's hard with travel. It becomes unethical for me to see a lot of patients because I'm not around. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just been kind of, it shifts over time. And I'll, I continue every three or four months to kind of assess how I'm doing if I'm still there for my patients, some of my higher need patients I've referred out just so I make sure they're getting the care that they need when they need it. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just like a thing I'm always considering, you know, making sure that I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. That that's pretty crazy. I mean, did you ever see yourself as the person you are now? You know what I mean? Like being Mm -hmm. able to, I mean, two half days plus all the other work you do, but still that sounds like a dream, right? Like, yeah. When you get into that industry, I don't think that's what people assume, right? You're kind of thinking like office every day with people in front of you and kind yeah. of the notepad and the lounge chair, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No. And I mean, this job didn't exist, you know, yeah. it, like it's kind of a crazy thing. And I would never have guessed that this would be something I could do, that it even could be a job. Mm. Even when I started YouTube, I mean, I don't think people realize this, but for a while when you are creating, you can't make money on YouTube. You have to have a certain amount of subscribers and views. And back then it was, it was more that monetization just didn't really exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really, you, we couldn't even make thumbnails back then. That was, <laughs> you know, like, I think people just don't realize how much YouTube has changed and grown over the years. Um, and so when we first started out, it was honestly just a passion project. It was something that I thought could be helpful to people. It was a way for me to expand out of like, Oh, I can only see 40, people a week, which most therapists actually see more like 25 to 30. But even if I was able to pack my schedule, I could still only help that many people. And what about the people in the middle of the world who can't find a specialist or other parts of, you know, in, I don't know, Brazil or anywhere in the world. It's really, that's the really cool thing about putting content online is you're able to reach millions of people. Yeah. It's so yeah. powerful. And even like people that can't afford it, right? They just need some advice in that moment, you know? And, and exactly. And it shouldn't be hidden behind a paywall or like yeah. accessibility. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to live in LA, so there's tons of therapists and tons of people here, but what if I don't live here? You right. know? <laughs> yeah. And interesting enough that you say that, because I just always wonder, does it, is it a place where like people are more successful, it seems like in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and there seems to be a lot of therapists and a lot of work like that. Is there like some correlation to that? I'm just picking my brain over here, trying to pick your brain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's just more people and we're also like a really affluent area, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, like people are super successful. So people have more disposable income and not to like completely therapize this, but if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we all have like basic needs, right? We need food, we need shelter, we need clothing, stuff like that. Okay. And if those things aren't met, that's all we're going to spend our time and energy trying to get. If I'm hungry, I can't do anything else. But if all that is met, because most of us in, you know, cities and in most parts of the world, those needs are met. So we start looking for like purpose and like a greater understanding of life. And so that's when we would really look for therapy. Oh, we'll that. be like, I got to make sense of this. And so I think because in a city center, there's a more people. So there's going to be more therapists because or more mental health professionals just because there's more people. Mm-hmm. But also most people here, their basic needs are met. And mm-hmm. so they can start 
asking those bigger questions. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And do you miss, uh, just a little bit more on you, do you miss, I mean, do you still do as much research as you used to do, like when you were doing that, uh, the, the, the eating disorder research, or do you miss that stuff that you can't do as much because you're so busy with other things? Um, I still do all my own research. I probably should find a better way. <laughs> I just, I, like, even though my videos are more scripted now, like I'm sure my viewers have noticed, like, cause I script them because it used to be such a brain drain for me to, vi- to shoot a video mm-hmm. because I'd be recalling what I read and I would legitimately do research, mm-hmm. put together my documents and then read it and then film. And I could only record, I could only film a couple of videos at a time. And that just got to be really taxing. Mm-hmm. And so now instead of just doing my research and like putting bullet points together, I like write out pretty much three quarters of a script. Um, and then I kind of riff on things that like, you know, and I found this interesting, like something else will bubble up into my brain when I'm talking. Um, and so that's, that's really helped, but I still do all my own research. <laughs> it's really time consuming, but I, I also don't ever want to lose touch I think that's why I haven't completely let go of my practice is I don't really want to lose touch with what's going on, how people are really responding. Like I'm still the person that always comments. Like I don't have a team. I guess yeah. I should just say yeah, that. That's it's what just, I mean. yep. it's just Sean and I, my husband, Sean, he does all the editing and all of the honestly more creative thinking where he's like, we should try this. What about that? <laughs> we should get an animator. And I'm like, cool. Cause I'm definitely not that creative brain anymore. Like, give me a problem and I will solve it. Analytical, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's exactly. Okay. So as we get into the fall season, uh, it's getting into staying inside more and eating more food. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and so it's easy to gain weight, but you don't have to wait for the New Year's resolution to start losing weight and get into good habits. And that's why we like to use Noom. Because getting in shape is not just the losing weight. It's about learning healthier habits and feeling better about yourself, whether that's more stamina to keep up with your busy life, finally getting into those goal genes, being more in tune with your body's needs, or practicing more self-care. And Noom is able to do this uh, because they're able to help you make healthy choices, give you a little bit more self-worth, give you better mood, control your stress and anxiety. It's a habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. It's based in psychology. Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and arms you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. They say it's the cognitive behavior approach. Uh, I say it just works. (laughs) And no food is good, bad, or off limits. Noom teaches you moderation and can be used in conjunction with many pre-existing popular diets if you want. So basically, they have everything you need. You can chat with a goal specialist and the Noom community to get and give help to people going through the same things. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash Coco. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash Coco to start your trial today. That's Noom.com slash Coco, the last weight loss program you'll need. Um, and so now, now that I kind of understand you a little bit more, I want to transition into like stuff that you've learned, which one, one of the things that I know, I mean, you do everything, but like relationships is a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of wanted to know in a broad sense, cause this is like a heavy question, but you know, what are like the biggest problems or difficulties that you notice in a relationship? I, there's quite a few things. I think the first and something that I always want to bring up because as I was, I don't know, just as I've been online and as I'm a human too, and in my own therapy, don't think that therapists don't see therapists. We should. Um, 
I think the biggest issue is like the relationship we have with ourselves. Okay. I know a lot of people focus on the outward and that's what leaves us feeling less than or exhausted or, you know, any kind of bad feeling. I think mm-hmm. it's because we don't spend enough time talking more kindly and warmly to ourselves. We have no problem being super nice to other people, but then we, we shit talk ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and you have to like pay, pay attention to that and mm-hmm. um, be, be a little bit more aware. And then I think when it comes to relationships outside of ourselves, I think communication is the main like linchpin. People are afraid to say what they feel, say what they mean, communicate any upsets, ask questions, seek to understand each other. Um, I mean, I talk about that a lot in my book that came out in December. There's like a whole, I want to say it's like three full chapters, just kind of about relationships, communication, and how we can stop those same kind of, I don't know, it's like things that trip us up all the time Mm -hmm. to prevent it from continuing to happen. Yeah, and I and I think you're absolutely right because, like, let's just say I get frustrated at Nicole for something, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. and then if I bottle that up, and then you know, two yeah. days later I get mad about something that has nothing to do with what she's doing in the moment, but it just brought me back to whatever <laughs> I was mad about originally. Yeah, that could have exactly. just been nipped in the bud that same day, you know, three days ago. Yeah, for sure. Totally. If you just said like, "Hey, that kind of hurt my feelings," you know what was going on, you know, you can ask questions. That's kind of, I think something that has been really helpful for me in my relationships is asking questions and seeking to understand versus assuming, because we can create stories that like yeah. aren't true at all. <laughs> so wait, so, and this is kind of funny because you are in a relationship. So are you mm-hmm. just constantly analyzing yeah. your, does, does Sean just feel like you're always just like analyzing what he's like, don't, don't do that. You know, <laughs> he never, he never <laughs> says that. Uh, I mean, he's, he's Irish Catholic. So I think a lot of like what he said about about this in general is that like it's taught him a lot okay because he's like wow i grew up in the in a family and era of like we don't talk about things we just pretend it didn't happen you know and <laughs> yeah stuff it down deep um he's also canadian so he's like we got to be nice about it you know right? yeah. um, and so i think uh i think for him that's what he said is the greatest learning is that like there there are words and names to put to things and that you can actually say stuff and that doesn't make the relationship explode or implode. Um, but I don't really analyze. I mean, I analyze myself, I think more than anybody or anything else Okay. because I'm always, I, I think it's maybe just like why I love doing what I do, but I'm always just trying to find a better way to be me. Like, are there things that I can do that are better? How could I make that work better? How could I be a better friend, better wife, better anything, better therapist? Um, so I think I analyze more of my own stuff than him. Wow, you sound like a borderline Jesus over there trying to be like the best person, you know? Like I, I feel like, you know, as a therapist, that's what you're constantly thinking, right? Because you're constantly yeah. trying to help people. So you're trying to make yourself better to help more mm-hmm. type of deal. Well, yeah. And if I'm reading about stuff too, it's kind of like the, the blessing and the curse of what I have to do online is like I'm constantly challenged, A, to take feedback, which is hard. Everybody, it's hard for everybody yeah. to take feedback. Um, and then also I'm learning more about certain issues and it doesn't necessarily have to be something that I struggle with as a whole, but I feel like within everything in mental health or mental illness related, you get at least one little nugget where you're like, Oh, I could probably do that better. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of how 
how I see it, but I'm not perfect at all. Like I still make mistakes. I get in fights with people. I can be a jerk, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, I just know better. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and, and funny and interesting enough that you said that about that feedback. Um, this is a topic that I was kind of saving for later, but like social media in general, you know, cause you're on social media mm-hmm. and do you think that's like, that openness for people to hide behind a wall and say negative things and just social media in general, do you think that's like affecting a lot of people negatively or do you kind of see it like both ways? Like there's such a positive to it, but then there can be mean people out there like there is mean people in everyday world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that I have a lot of thoughts about it and it, it's kind of all over the place because I love the connectivity. Like we talked about at the beginning, like the fact that I can reach more people and then those people are able to interact with the other people within the community and realize they're not alone. And that's a really powerful, powerful thing. And it's really wonderful. And by and large, my community and any interaction I have online is positive. Everybody's super supportive and loving, but there are going to be people who are like, I didn't like that you said this, or why'd you use this word? Or, you know, and that kind Mm -hmm. of feedback, I think from a creative perspective can be difficult, but necessary to hear. Um, so I think when it comes to putting yourself online and just being on social media, there's always going to be jerks and trolls. But I think by and large, if we put positive out there and we're careful about who we follow and who we interact with, it, we can make it a loving place. It's like anything. It's like what you look for, what you seek, you're going to find. So I always encourage my viewers, like, be very cautious about who you follow. Like if I even personally find myself, because Instagram is like one of my favorite places to hang out, like yeah. as a regular non-therapist person. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I'll spend time in there. But if I find myself watching someone who's like always talking negatively or putting people down or it's just, it's causing me either, or even that comparison factor where I'm like, why yeah. is she in, on vacation in Bora Bora and my life is so boring? Like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. um, then I might mute those people for a while or unfollow. Yeah. Um, I can always come back around, but it might just not be good for me at the time. And that's no, that's nothing against them. Yeah. That's just me protecting myself. And I think the more we're aware of what we digest online, I think the better we all can feel. And, and how about, so, and, and I feel like you're exactly right. Like that, that resonates, you know, for for like for me and Nicole and, Mm -hmm. and people that are influencers and do put themselves out there. And, but how about like, let's say the teenager, you know, that that's Mm -hmm. on social media that, that maybe hasn't developed that tough skin, right. To be able to hear negative stuff or, or, or online bullying or Mm -hmm. anything like that. I mean, what, what do you think for that? I mean, obviously you have to grow, but at the same time, how much do you protect them from that? And do you feel like that hurts their development, like just being out there like that because everything is so public now? Just like, because when I went to prom, it, Instagram wasn't a thing, right? So you get ready and you only see there's like 60 people in my class. So you see like 30 girls and you're just like comparing yourself kind of to the 30 girls that you all know and you love. But then now I feel like girls prom is so much bigger because that dress and everything is going to be compared to one photo one (laughs) perfect photo how many like thousands hundreds of thousands of people yeah and so i just feel like when i think about that it it has to kind of change how you grow up and what what you want to wear and that kind of yeah I, i don't know yeah, I think, I mean, it is definitely difficult and I agree with you. I actually just was interviewed for a, like an article about prom and it being stressful. Oh. And, um, <laughs> and it's funny because I had to think, I had to think, I mean, I'm 35. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, dig deep. When was that? What was that like? <laughs> and we didn't have Instagram and thank God, because like, imagine also if you didn't have enough money 
Like yeah. comparing yourself to people buying like a thousand dollar dress or oh, something yeah. ridiculous, yeah. you know? I mean, mm-hmm. we all know those people online. They're like, oh, swipe up for my boots. It's like $800. I'm like, sorry, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think when it comes to teenagers, first of all, we can't stop them. And the more we try, the more they're going to revolt if yep. you're a parent. But I think it's, it's all about getting, like, having conversations with your children I, and letting them know that, like, that's not always real life. Like, I gave a talk at a high school, um, I think it was last year, actually, telling them that, like, as someone on social media and having friends who are very active and they get sent all these gifts and stuff to show, they don't always get to keep that stuff. And that's not real life. They didn't mm-hmm. pay for it. Like, trying to help them understand the landscape can kind of put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. but. Also, just extracurricular activities, interacting with people in real life is really important just for building a healthy confidence because teenage years are hard enough as it is. And Mm -hmm. so the more time I think children spend with other teens their own age, they can build real relationships, real confidence, real understanding and have, you know, kind of what we as adults hopefully have is when we look at that, you're like, oh yeah, but like, I know she's working and that's not like, that's not relaxation. She just took a bunch of photos and because she has to post for this and like kind of the greater understanding of life where you're like, yeah, that's her life choice. And this is what she's doing. And I can be happy for her Mm -hmm. and also be happy for me. And, you know, but it all comes down to like how we talk to ourselves about it and what we allow ourselves to digest. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I do think that in school, probably in middle school, they need to start like communicating more, educating children more on social media and how to interact because things cannot be deleted. Once you put something out, it can live in perpetuity. If someone else shares it, if someone saves it to their computer, Mm -hmm. like my life would have been ruined. Do you know what I mean? That's what Victor brings that up a lot. He's just like, it was a slap on the wrist. Like when he was growing up and just like, don't do that again or don't say that. But now it could just go viral with like one click and you can't delete it. Yeah. And it's totally one Snapchat, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you say a stupid, ignorant comment or you act really rude or Lord only knows. Mm -hmm. And I think that like having that conversation with children. It was actually a great book. Um, a friend of mine put out, uh, her name is Mindy McKnight. She has a YouTube channel called cute girls hairstyles. She has six kids and she, her and her husband are very active on online. And so are their children. And it's called viral parenting. Mm-hmm. And she talks about like all of this and how do you communicate this and what are ways that you monitor it? How do you talk to them? If things are going wrong, how do you let them know that things can't be deleted? Um, and I think we're just all constantly learning, but again, kind of back to like the therapist side is just keep communicating about it so that we can all get better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I totally agree with you. Something I'm really excited to share with the listeners is these really cool shoes from Rothy's that are made out of plastic water bottles. It's bizarre because you can't even, you really can't tell that they're made from plastic. I, I mean, I would never know if no. you didn't tell me. They're crazy comfortable. They're machine washable. They have over a thousand um, perfect reviews. So if that's something you want to read up on. Um, they can work for professional attire. They can work for yoga pants. I went with the point big cat, which is like a cheetah print. They come with rounded toe. They come in sneakers. They come in, they I don't know, a couple of loafers. All types of styles. It's kind of crazy actually. Yeah. And they're really cute to where I would just buy them and not even know they're made out of plastic, which is even more of an incentive to buy them. Yeah. Um, Anyways, if you are interested in trying these shoes, go to rothys.com slash Coco to get your new favorite flats. 
They're comfortable, they're stylish, they're sustainable, they're shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash COCO today. Yeah, and you'll be saving the environment, so it makes you feel good. (laughs) (laughs) And now moving off of social media, I wanted to know like your thoughts on just bullying in general. You know, there's like that online stuff, but then there's like that real life in school, you know, people picking mm-hmm. on each other. And and it's sad because, you know, I, I don't know if it's just because information travels faster and there there's more availability of information, but you see all the time, you know, kids committing suicide. And it's so sad because of a bullying incident or... or, or you that know, their parents might not even know about. Exactly. And, and so, I mean, I just want to know your thoughts on that and, and how you think the best way to deal with something like that. Because I know as a, as a wanting to be a future parent, mm-hmm. if I ever heard about that, there's no positive way that I would be handling that going to the school. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like be I, I'd, be, I'd be wanting to go beat up somebody's parent. You know what I mean? Like, of course. And I know that's like the most bad way, but like, how, how do we like, how does that affect the child at and, and that time? And, and how do we, you know, try to help and fix those situations? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, First is just communicating with your child and noticing if things are changing. Obviously, kids can be teenagers and they do change, right? Like hormones can make us crazy. It's real and it happens. But I think checking in with your child and trying to cultivate a healthy parent-child relationship, not a I'm, I know better, don't do this kind of thing. It's like more open and communication. Like I think the best thing you can do is just ask kids about stuff like that. I think parents are afraid to say things or ask like, also, like with suicide, you can say, like, have you ever thought about killing yourself? Like, that's not going to cause it. Mm-hmm. I know people, like, yeah. per- are scared because they're like, oh, I'm going to give them an idea. No. Like, if we think about it for a second, I'm, I'm assuming all three of us are not suicidal. Mm-hmm. If someone said to you, was like, are you suicidal? You'd be like, no. Yeah. No. And that wouldn't create it in you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just, yeah. 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 It's like a you, word that people avoid saying. Like Exactly. And I think the up, more we you know, talk it's like about a it. Taboo word. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Like people are scared. And I think instead of being scared, we kind of have to lean in and be okay asking. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to ask your child if they are having a tough time bullying or with bullying at school. But I think um with children too, like something for any listener out there, anybody, is if you are being bullied the, I know this is going to sound terrible. Do not block them online. Keep all of the evidence because mm. it, 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 I know it's it's horrible, but like you want to block them because you're like, they're a dirt bag, go away. But once you block, it deletes all of the comments. So you need to take all the screen grabs. You need to gather all the evidence. You could have a parent or friend do it for you if it's, you know, you don't want to read it. I totally understand that. Yeah. But you need to keep a file of it. Because if something does happen, let's say a a person in school takes it from online to in person and assaults you, Mm -hmm. it's good to have that history. I know it sounds terrible, but it's like we have to protect ourselves. And obviously telling someone as soon as possible, even if you're an adult, bullying can happen at work or anything and tell someone right away Mm -hmm. because we... It's not something we have to tolerate. Bullying always says more about the person who's doing the bullying. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it doesn't have to be a part of life. I think it's something that the more we communicate, the more we deal with it head on. Hopefully, the less likely it is to happen. And and is that part of uh, is dealing uh, with that stuff like uh, bullying and any other type of you know is that part of your dialectical uh, therapy stuff or is that different? More like for like depression or or I don't know. 
I was trying to yeah, look I think up. Bullying. Oh no, you're fine. I think bullying's more like just relationships. Okay. How do you manage difficult relationships? Um, but DBT, just to give you a little background on what dialectical behavior therapy is, it's really, um, and not, I don't want to get too in the weeds of it, but it's like cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT is like one of the godfather types of therapy. It's the one that we can uh, actually test and get numbers and see that people are doing better. So mm. everybody like, especially socialized systems, like I said, my husband's from Canada. So it's like Canadian mental health care always pushes for CBT because they can test it and they can tell it's having an impact. And it focuses on like that our thoughts, what we believe about ourselves becomes our thoughts and then becomes our actions. And we mm-hmm. kind of go in this circle and DBT takes that and then adds in a little bit of mindfulness. So like, Hey, if I'm more aware of how I feel or, or how my body is, what emotions I'm experiencing in my body then maybe I can use some emotion regulation tactics to slow down my impulse to be angry Mm. or to lash out um, or to self-sabotage or medicate or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of how that works. And it it works best a lot with uh, people who have borderline personality disorder or uh, eating Mm. disorder patients. Honestly, any of us really, we all need a little emotion regulation. Let's be honest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. Um, No, that's interesting. That's interesting. I was looking at that and I I didn't quite understand it. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's not something people really talk about. It's another one of those things that like people just don't let you know what that means. So how would you know if you, if you went into a therapist and they're like, Oh yeah, I do DBT. Most people be like, uh huh, and then they're like, yeah. "What the heck does that mean?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and to to piggyback on on the topic of suicide that we were talking about earlier, is that is that something that is it is it has it been more prominent or is it just out in the information more that you can readily see it? You know what I mean? Or is that something that you're not sure of? I don't know. Yeah, I mean. I feel like with with everything, not to like generalize it to all issues, yeah. but I feel like because social media connects us, things that never had visibility are now more visible. Yeah. yeah. Like for, for a totally random example, about four years ago, I went to, up to Northern Scotland to um, talk at a youth. It's like a kind of like a YMCA, but it's like a, a youth center. Okay. And one of the women there, she was like an older woman, probably in her fifties or sixties. And she came up to me afterwards and was like, Oh my goodness, I've struggled with self-harm since I was a kid. And she's like, but I just never had a word for it. Mm -hmm. And I never knew what it was. Um, and she's like, your videos have really helped. And that's someone who arguably had been doing that back before it was quote unquote visible or talked about, you know? Yep. And so I don't really think that I mean, they have talked about how millennials are have higher anxiety and depression rates. And I think that social media, the bad parts of it can lead to that. But I think we're also just talking about it more. Mm-hmm. People who normally would pretend things are okay are fine now saying that, no, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, it, I think it's, I like to think of that as a positive thing because it means more people are just talking about stuff. And we should be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It makes it, it makes it less of a taboo, weird, like I'm messed up opposed to like, no, this is something that we can all help each other with. And so the more we talk about it, the more help we can get. Yeah, exactly. It's much more common than we think. I mean, one in five are affected globally by mental illness. So Mm -hmm. that means all of us know somebody. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a large number. If you put that in perspective. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and 
and I kind of like skipped over. I want to circle back to relationships. To relationships. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> of yes. Because <course>. <laughs> we, I kind of went on a tangent. That's my fault. No, that was good. That's went okay. down a little mm-hmm. rabbit hole, but it was a very interesting rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and it just in general, I know you're talking about, you know, you have to work on your inside, right? Like your inner self. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to better your outer self with other people. So is in that case, is any relationship then fixable? You know, like if, if you started a relationship and there was something there and then next thing you know, it's like, it's not there anymore. Is mm-hmm. that something where you should just part ways or is it fixable? I mean, relationships can be fixable if, and this is the big if, if both parties want to work on it. Mm. Because I think the problem that a lot of people get into is that they want a relationship more than the other person is willing to work on it. Yeah. Okay. And we can't make other people change. Like I hear from a lot of my viewers, they have issues with either dating relationships or even their parents. Mm -hmm. And they'll come into, you'll ask a question and they're like, you know, I just received this one. This is kind of why it's in front of mind. But this person asked the question, she's like, hey, I know that my mom has some um, like mental health issues. Like I think she might have some narcissistic tendencies, but I really want to improve my relationship. How can I get her to listen to me and to, you know, to be better, a better mother essentially. And unfortunately I had to write back and say like, you know, you can try your best to engage in a way that's healthy and helpful for you, but your mom has to reciprocate. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's tough. And we know that. I mean, yeah. if you really think about it, we all know that. But yeah. how often do we think, well, can't I just make them think better about themselves? Like, I know they're just having a hard time. Yeah. Like, we always assume that if we do something enough, we can change them. We can help them see. We can make them be motivated to, to do better. And we just can't. Even a parent to a child. We're still all humans. We have our own free will. And if they don't want to make it better... It, it won't get better, and but we, mm-hmm, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and I was thinking that's kind of how people like say, maybe you have a breakup and you're like, they're not trying, but you really want it to work. And that person might fall into the same thing over and over again, because maybe once it reaches a point, they're just not willing to like get a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Like, I was curious if that, cause I mean, some people blame it on like, oh, they're too young or they're too this, but then sometimes it can be, you know, five, 10 years and they're still, you know, maybe trying to fix that person. Yeah, Maybe they're just trying, yeah. Trying to fix that person or make them, like you said, make them see like they'll lose weight or they'll do more work around the house or they'll do all these things and it might get better for a little bit, but then it always gets, goes, goes back, back to the same thing. Yeah, because if there's not actual change happening, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just because one person changes doesn't fix the dynamic of the relationship. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. and it, it is hard. I know that's a hard thing. Like I always tell people that we talk about grieving mm-hmm. a lot when it comes to someone dying, yeah. but we don't talk about it enough when it comes to relationships ending. And I think people, instead of grieving it, they live in that denial phase of grief for a really long time. Yeah. yeah. Where, and then they like bargain, right? If you think about the stages of yeah. grief, not that they go in order and they're not the end all be all, but mm-hmm. they go through this first, they're angry, then they bargain. And then they do this, like, you know, the like denial, yeah. we kind of hop around, mm-hmm. um, instead of just letting ourselves feel the loss and be like, I really dreamt and believed that this could be a good thing. Cause the thing about relationships that I think people don't talk about enough either is the fact that like we, 
we dream a dream of what it's going to be, especially if we're the one that didn't end the relationship. We thought we would get married or move in together or have children or do whatever, you know, mm-hmm. travel the world. Yeah. And you had all these little dreams that you kind of need to give yourself time to, to feel and to, to grieve. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's what people should focus their time on instead of like, but I, you know, although we can get better and I always want to tell people you can improve, but you both have to. And if the other person isn't giving you any indication of wanting to change, because it's never just one person that's wrong in a relationship either, by the way. Yeah. Um, is, you know. is like therapy something that you should do if even you think your relationship's good and healthy, there's benefits to it? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think it um, gives you kind of a mediator so you can learn some communication tips and mm-hmm. tools before it's bad. I think honestly, right. couples have all wait way too long to get into therapy. They wait till um, it's bad to yeah. try to fix it. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And nine times out of 10, and this is no dog on us women, but when they come in, <laughs> at least in my experience, we, we as women talk the whole time <laughs> and the man will just sit there like almost looking guilty or like, oh, I just have to like you know, white knuckle through this. Like I told her I'd try. (laughs) And it's just so uncomfortable. And I, and I always ask them like when I don't see a ton of couples, I do mostly individual work. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I have a couple, the first question I ask is whose idea was it to make this appointment? And how did, did you agree right away or did you have to be persuaded? Mm -hmm. And then I want to say, when, when did this start? Because it's probably been years. Um, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people think about therapy is that we have to wait till it's really terrible, but it's actually better. Just like catching a cold. If you kind of feel a little sick and you sleep more, you drink water, you might not actually catch a full cold. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And you have to think of our mental health just the same. So if our relationship is deteriorating a little bit, like especially if you're in a committed relationship, you haven't had sex in a few weeks and you normally would. If you're nitpicking at each other, if you're irritated at everything they do, you should probably talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Don't wait until there's a screaming match and you think you might want them to move out. Like, let's do it a little bit before that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That that does make sense. And and I guess if you can, if there was a list of like, I don't know, like five things that you'd say would be like key for a healthy relationship, <laughs> like a dating relationship, like a couple's relationship, what, what do you think those, or, you know, whatever amount of things that you have on your list would be, what, what do you think those would be? Yeah, I think it'd be mutual respect because I feel like a lot comes out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Clear communication, making time for communication. And then, hmm, I guess the last, I I really just keep to these three. I think the last one would be um, like... I don't even know how to describe it, but have you heard of the five love languages? Yeah. 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 Nicole. uh, Yeah. 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 (laughs) I love, I love those. Those are great. And I think that's kind of the third component is like speaking to your partner in a language they can hear because it's kind of communication can be lost on them. If you're communicating love in one of the languages, they don't receive it. So like, that's true. If you don't, if you know what, don't know what the five love languages are, it's like, doing things it's like uh words of affirmation i don't know if i'll know these all right off the top of my head but like words of affirmation physical touch shared activities acts of service what's the last one? gifts gifts, yeah. gifts um that's not mine that's why no, I that's, not, that's not that's <laughs> not mine either like mine's uh, spending time with them and me Vic, too quality time yeah and Vic, yours is uh what is yours 
Is it the words of... Yeah, affirmation. Words of affirmation. Yeah, he lo- like, loves to hear, right, like good, yeah. like good things. Yeah. Yeah, same. Same. My husband's the same. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, it, those are good things to know because it's like, you're trying to express love to them through gift giving. Like if Sean was like buying me, yeah. I don't know, fancy things, I'd just be like, you're, why are you spending that money? Like it would bother me more. Yeah. You know, it'd yeah. be more stress than mm-hmm. actual nice things. And I think that like, it's like speaking Chinese when they only, you know, speak, I don't know, Spanish. Yeah. Um, so I think those are really the three components of relationships that can keep them healthy. It's just like, you know, having respect communicating them directly and clearly and speaking their language mm-hmm. okay okay I'll, I'll make sure to keep that in mind nicole i, <laughs> yeah. I got you babe i got you um and, and last to kind of end on a on a wrap-up high note uh i want to get your take on just like fulfillment fulfillment and like happiness right mm-hmm. and what do you think somebody should be doing, you know, to get that wholeness? Because, uh, like, I listen to Dax Shepard podcast, Armchair Expert, uh-huh. and and constantly he's he likes to talk to people with money to kind of reiterate the fact that money has not been the root of happiness for pretty much anyone in the history of any time, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, what what do you think can help find help somebody find that happiness or fulfillment? Yeah, there, just really quickly, there was actually a study that came out. I forget a few years ago where they tested or they like surveyed people who were in poverty, not making much money. Mm-hmm. Then people who were just paying their bills and could take a few vacations, but weren't wealthy and then really super wealthy people. Mm-hmm. And what they found was, is that the people who could just pay their bills and take a modest vacation every year were actually the happiest mm-hmm. because again, again, back to the like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like if our needs are met, we can pay our bills. That's actually really the only service that money offers it doesn't give us any happiness it gives us stability and that instability causes extra stress and then having too much of it actually causes extra stress (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean i don't i don't know that life but i you know maybe one day i will (laughs) yeah yeah no i think i heard something like that too something around like if you 80 grand is about the yeah 80 to 100 is about the the cutoff point where there there's no not much change in your happiness Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. from there on because at that point like you said you can fulfill all your bills and anything that comes up it's fine um, and so it's just, it's just the relief of stress. And after that, it's not really a big difference. Exactly. I think it's kind of important for people to remember that, but like to really answer your question about fulfillment, I think that a lot of us work a job to pay the bills and just to, to work a job. We have to have a job. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's fine. And there's no shame in just having a job to pay your bills. But I do think that there's a really important piece to life that is doing things that just, it's not about money. It's not about clout it's just it makes us feel good yeah yeah like not to do marie kondo anything but like it sparks joy Mm, yeah (laughs) you know yeah and i i think that because people are so focused on quote-unquote success you know making a ton of money Mm -hmm. i think instead shifting our perception and our our focus to be more about like what makes me feel good because Mm -hmm. i mean i'll be honest for many years i made way more money working in the hospital than i did as a youtuber Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm it was just a matter of the fact that like YouTube has never really been that big of an income for me. It's more of a, a, I don't know, it's something I do because I like to, it's fulfilling. And I would never have given that up 
even though it didn't, it didn't make money and it took a lot of time, yeah. it give, gave me purpose. And so I, everyone is put on this earth with a purpose. We just have to figure out what it is. It could be gardening. It could be, I don't know, uh, volunteering somewhere. It could be spending time with your friends. It, it could be any number of things. But I think looking outside of yourself and into other relationships, other experiences, I would encourage people to find something that brings them joy, that they look forward to doing and making time for that. Because we're always going to have to work. There's always a job to be done. There's always money to be made. But back to like the research we know, it doesn't actually make us feel that much better. So make time for the things that feel good to you. Um, And I think you'll see your mood improve. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And and as someone that seemingly uh, uh, has found her, you know, purpose and is fulfilled, how does that feel? You know, because it honestly doesn't, I bet it doesn't feel like a job to you, right? It's just something you do because you like to do. Yeah, it's true. And I I mean, people always say like, oh, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. I still work. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't want to get up because I'm like, I just want to be lazy today. Yeah. But because I work for myself, I can do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I do um, because burnout is real. You know, we've talked, I've talked about that on my channel and stuff like that. But, um, but I think sometimes we just have to like let ourselves absorb what's going on and, and how we feel. And that's what I'm trying to do now is just like feel the fact that I, I love it and it, it's positive and I get notes from people's who I've helped around the world. And that's amazing. And I don't want to take it for granted, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think all of us kind of need to spend some time instead of looking for the next thing, like being in the moment and being grateful that it exists, Yeah. you know, cause mm-hmm. thank God for social media and YouTube. And I, otherwise I wouldn't have even known that this is a thing I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm grateful that Sean encouraged me to put out that video, even though it's super awkward back in 2011. <laughs> um, and yeah, challenged me kind of out of my comfort zone. And it's It's been great ever since, really. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. And, and we're really happy for you. And we really appreciate you coming onto our podcast and sharing. What's you know, your YouTube channel called? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just my name, Katie Morton. So okay. it's K-A-T-I-M-O-R-T-O-N. Okay. And your book is called Are You Okay? Is that right? Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay. And people can just find you as Katie Morton on uh, Instagram, I believe. Yeah. All socials. Yeah. Okay. All they socials. can find me. Well, perfect. Well, you know, again, thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, you letting us pick your brain. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> of course. Thanks for having me. Super yeah. interesting. Um, and yeah, uh, wish you the best and we'll talk soon. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You too as well. Take care. Thanks. Take care. We hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. Learn something new about ourselves. I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was in a weird, I was like uh, having an, an anxiety attack during that interview. <laughs> well, you so pushed through it. So just in case I acted well. a little odd, that's why. I don't think you acted odd. No, but I'm just saying, like, sometimes when I am in interviews, I black out or get bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so I act weird. But you did, I think you did a good job. I never do if it's just me and you talking. But I'm just, I'm just saying if, Sometimes you, people probably other feel that way sometimes too. Uh, yeah, maybe. You never know. So now, Nicole, yeah. you have a weirder normal for us. And well, your Spanish word of the day is first, I thought. Okay, okay. Spanish word of the day. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you going to get it? Yes. Will we need to phone a friend? No. <laughs> the Spanish word of the day is comprometida. 
comprometida. Or it can be comprometido. Oh. Guy and girl. Comprometida. Hmm. So that means it's a it means it's describing a person because if I can change it to girl or boy, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So But it's not like descriptive like tall, it's short, not nothing like that. I mean, no, not really. No, it's not an adjective. Come from Is it an adjective? I don't think it's an adjective, no. Can you say it again? It is an adjective. No. <laughs> Comprometida. Say it faster. Comprometida. Comprometida. How you would pronounce that. Okay, comprometida. <laughs> engaged. Oh. Yeah, engaged. I would not have gotten that. Yeah. Dang it. Yo soy comprometido. Tú eres comprometida. Mm. So, yeah, that one, put that in your uh, vocabulary, list of things that you now know, even though I think you've forgotten all the other ones that we've done. Yeah. So there's that. It's like when people take Spanish in high school. And in college. <laughs> and get A's. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I took Spanish in high school, and but I don't remember anything. You whip out words that are not quite... Well, no, no, no. It's not that. I understand why people don't retain it is because you don't use it, right? Yeah, if you yeah. were to learn it and then you started speaking it every day. As a matter of fact, if you never learned it and then you're just around people that speak Spanish all the time... You're better off. And you have no English, mm-hmm. you know, then you would for 100% have to learn it. So Yeah. Anyway, so now hit us with the weird or normal. Okay. Well, this is kind of like a weird or normal, but is for toilet paper. Mm-hmm. Over or under? Over. for Actually, under. Under. For I like under, just the way it rolls on the backside. For me, it just looks a little bit more tidy. I'm an under person too. You are. But the thing is... <clears throat> I'm, I switch because if it's under, that means I'm feeling like an underdog and I feel like the underdog always prevails. And if it's over, that means I'm like feeling real good. So is it like the type of... Yeah, it goes based on my feelings. No, I was going to say, is it the type of bowel movement you're having that day where it's like an underdog and you really can't get it out? No. Or it's like over because it's really easy and you know... No, I... You know, more in-depth to this toilet paper thing is I don't understand why people buy like the single-ply starch. Uh, For their plumbing system. I don't, I don't like it. And this is directed towards you, Nicole. Okay, I because- hated it too in college. Mariah would buy this really thin Scott toilet paper. And I'm like, oh, I hate this toilet paper. I grew up on Angel Soft. Well, you know, it lasts a lot longer you just take a little bit more and it helps your ever since i had to have my septic pumped out it was needed to be pumped out because we moved into a house oh but our toilet backed up one time yeah but that had nothing to do with the toilet paper but i wasn't sure okay all i know is and and i i can't Okay, I'm not the one that goes to the grocery store to buy it, right? So I get it. Yeah, it's not your money. <laughs> it is, though. It is. But at the same time, my anus does not appreciate. Stop. I buy you wet wipes. I know, but you can't. You, If anything, the argument would be made that those wet wipes are even worse than just having better toilet well, paper. Well, you're not supposed to put them down the toilet. Where? Yeah, 100% you are. <laughs> you are, but you're not supposed to in this household. 
What? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Because you're going to make it or sewer or whatever septic Okay, bath. so one, you're only supposed to really use like one or two wet wipes anytime you use them. And then two, I don't understand. You don't wh- flush baby wipes on the toilet. You throw them away. Yeah, but baby wipes are meant for babies. And you just like kind of put it in I a diaper and throw it of, away. I get what you're saying. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten more... Um, Your anus has gotten a lot more tough. No. And so you can abuse it more? No. I've gotten more knowledgeable and respectful of the water systems. And I feel like the more crap we put down the toilet, the worse... Not like crap as in crap, but crap as in stuff that shouldn't be there. That's got to be filtered out. Okay. okay. Yeah. But it's it's all supposed to break down regardless. I don't think it does. I think it does. I'm just saying. I, I mean, w- there's a lot of places I walk in and it's like, please no paper products or feminine products down the toilet. Okay. But that that's different. That is a, a whole thing of, a, it's a tampon that you, they don't want you to put down there. One. And two, when they say paper products, they're talking about the paper towels <laughs> and because those don't break down for the septic. Yeah. And I get that. I just, I'm just saying, especially when I have a guest over. Yeah. I like when to we have, have good toilet over. paper over for our guest. Absolutely. So you want to treat your guest. Anus, yeah, better if than you, you treat yours. Exactly. If you notice in our guest bathroom, I have Angel Soft. In our bathroom, I have Scotts. Yeah, I don't understand that. Because Why can't I we just will have suffer, one? But they do not need to. <laughs> that is no bueno. I don't. I don't know. Well, I'm done buying Scotts because I got kind of sick of it too. Yeah. So you're agreeing with me? Yeah, I'm agreeing with oh, you. Oh, thank you. Thank but you. But I just think we need to be careful with what we kind of flushed down because then I got like a plumber bill and I else. totally understand that. And you're making it seem like we're dropping bombs over here. <laughs> you do. And we know. It's on no, the walls. It's, oh my it's gosh. What are you talking about? Why are you lying right <laughs> it's now? on the ceiling. Why are you lying right now? This is so, you know, and I was just about to say, I was happy that we were able to dish this out right here and come to an agreement. And now you're saying things that aren't even true. I, do you do you clean the walls? Do you clean the toilets? Do you know what has made its way onto where? Yes, I no, do. you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You are, you, you are taking a step too far over the line right now. That's okay? what you get. That's what you get. I did not do anything to deserve it. Anyways, back on track, okay? I think that our listeners are so amazing. And Nicole agreed with me. And Nicole agreed so much that she said we should do something special for them, for our listeners, yeah. right? And what is that? What, what do you want to do? I want to give away a Keurig. She wants to give away a Keurig. Mm-hmm. So yes, for the people that are listening, it'll be on our social media. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a giveaway, a Keurig giveaway, and we're just going to send it directly to your house. Yeah. For you, for being awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, somebody will win. Um, the post will have, I guess... It'll have the details that yeah, you need, yeah, you know, yeah. for, for the requirements. This has not been set up so, yet. But. This is just us telling you now that we love you guys so much mm-hmm. and we want to give something back to you guys. And it's nothing crazy, but it's something. Um, and speaking of which, this will segue us in to our reviews. Oh, yeah. Because as much as we love you and we want to give back, this is the reason, the reviews are the reason why we, we keep doing what we do. This is the best feedback that we get This is why we got guys. so happy and we're like, we're giving away a Keurig today. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you guys so, so much. We love you for it. And Nicole, take it away. This one's from Mama Plus Two. It's called Just Say Yes, Y'all. Five stars. 
I'm new to your podcast, but not new to the two of you. I'm a huge fan of both of you from Big Brother. Y'all might be the cutest podcast ever. Hmm. The perfect duo for a completely feel-good podcast. I love that Victor is always teaching us something new. And Nicole, you are way funnier than you think. (laughs) Keep that humble charm and can't wait for y'all to talk more about the wedding plans. Nick, come find me, Robin Gibbs, at... Bridals by Lori, so I can help you say say yes to the dress. Oh, which I have go. not gone bridal dress shopping yet. And I still don't agree with the fact that you said it takes like nine months. It does to I, come in. That, I'm just like not okay. So for my dress, I am so eager to get something different, mm-hmm. and I just feel like they're all the same. So that's kind of why I haven't gone. If you guys don't know, Nicole wants a dress from the Titanic era that still has Shush, you don't know what old I vintage style to it with a new modern twist. You don't know what I want. That maybe has a pearl on it and some sapphire. <laughs> I don't know. She's, you're she's not all gonna over the know. place. You're not supposed to know what it looks like, so don't be talking about what you even think. Well, okay. Funny you say that, and I hope you haven't left the podcast because this opens up a quick conversation that Nicole, is funny that you say that, that I'm not supposed to see it, when who wanted to do first looks and who did not want yeah, to do first Yeah, I do first... want to do first looks. We are doing first looks. So I will see it. Yes, but not until the day. Well, I did not. First look is you, we get your reaction of you seeing me for the first time. Why do you think it's called first look? Well, I didn't want to get to see you until you're walking down the aisle, which would have been the first time well, that I saw we'll you, which would it. be the first look. I think it's just... Otherwise, our guests are going to be waiting a lot longer to hang out with us because we're going to be taking photos. I selfishly say that that is our day and that they can wait for us if they love us, right? Because that's what they're there Find to it. share the moment with us, not to just go and eat all the food and drink all the alcohol, which is the reason I typically go to a wedding. So <gasps> I don't know. Yeah, that bug has been walking around the microphone the whole time. Why I just didn't, didn't you tell me? I didn't want to tell you because of that exact, yeah, distracting moment. Okay, go ahead. With your, <laughs> go ahead with your review. Okay. This is from Tiffer349. You two melt my heart. Five stars. This is the best interview with Nicole Anthony I have heard so far. Woo, she got a lot done too. Yeah. You could tell she was at she was at ease talking to Nick and Vic. They make all their guests feel so comfortable. I love the beginning of this podcast so much. It just put me in a good mood when they were talking about the flowers Victor sent Nicole and talked about their love for one another. Mm-hmm. You could tell even in the audio that Nicole was smiling as she talked about the flowers. Then she said about their love and relationship. I'm not sure what we're doing, but it's working. And I'm sure and it sure is for you two right now on so many levels. Yeah, last week it was. This week, not so much. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. It goes hot and cold. <laughs> oh, it's like a radio wave up and down. <laughs> no, but thank you guys so much. We, we really hope you enjoyed uh, this week's episode. Um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. The easiest way, the easiest way to do that is a little purple app mm-hmm. on your phone, which is Apple Podcasts. Yep. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts right now, and you can also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. You you can always go to www.cococalientepodcast.com. You can listen there and also check out our merchandise, which Nicole should be coming up with some. The, uh, it's already ordered. It takes three weeks to come in. Yeah, so in a few weeks, uh, we'll have more merchandise up uh, mm-hmm. with the new logo and, and everything that we got. It's really neat. Um, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Coco Caliente Podcast and at Twitter at Coco Caliente Pod. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Mm-hmm.